to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here with Sign the Street, Sin City Steve, and we are talking money in the bank, the WWE's premium live event that took place here in Las Vegas. Now, DJ Impact is not with us, as you saw in the introduction video. He's still searching for Allegiant Stadium, so uh, <laughs> we'll see if he gets back here by next week. But uh, last night, um, <clears throat> pay-per-view kicked off with uh, the women's Money in the Bank match. Lacey Evans versus Shotzi versus Liv Morgan versus Lexibus versus Asuka versus big-time Bex and a big winner in Liv Morgan. Uh, you know, guys, uh, Simon Street, when you saw that kicking off, what did you think? How, how did you feel the match went? Give us your opinions, brother. Um, I definitely think that at first it started a little bit combobulated, just a little bit. That's just my opinion. But it seemed like it picked up. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, of, of, of holding on to the match and making it interesting. It came from a lot of veterans, Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, especially Alexa Bliss, who's, who's done this match before. Um, kind of holding it together. Asuka, obviously. Uh, kind of holding together as far as with pacing and stuff like that and what I noticed. But as it picked up, it got entertaining. There was a couple of things here and there that, you know, people like Lacey Evans uh, did pretty decent. Um, Shotzi Bocce is what I'll call it. Shotzi the Bocce. Sorry, baby girl, I love you. But, man, she was just um, kind of all over the place with that match. Uh, not – I felt like from what I saw, not making – the spot she was supposed to. And then um, once she did that uh, ball pit off the top rope and hit the um, uh, the ladder the wrong way, yeah. for sure she got a concussion and sliced the back of her head. I tried to find out what the actual injury was or whatever, but for sure she's had some stitches in the back of her head and she probably has, I think it was CTE, for sure. Because yeah. she, she even trying to get to her spot to set up the ladder looked very, very shaky. Um, overall, pretty good. Uh, I, I was happy with Liv Morgan getting the money in the bank. And I'll speak a little bit more of that a little bit later on about how yep. I feel about other things. Steve, what uh, what went through your head as you uh, you watched this, the first match to open up the uh, show? So I think that this is very interesting. The only woman to have held the... Uh, the, the briefcase for longer than 24 hour that the 24 hour period is Carmella. And uh, this uh, held true. Um, obviously yeah. when they kick off the show with this match, I figured that the winner of the match was going to cash in. And obviously that's exactly what happened. Um, as Simon had mentioned, obviously it wasn't exactly the cleanest match. Um, 
But I think the thing to keep in mind is whenever you have any kind of a ladder match or anything where there are um, additional variables, um, it does raise the level of difficulty. So, you know, as also, as you had mentioned, Shotzi did not have the best night uh, in terms of accuracy with with movements, with spots. Um, I think that they, without a doubt, made the right call on the winner of the match. Um, Just from the opening introductions, uh, Liv got the loudest pop out of anybody. So obviously, I think that they, uh, you know, the, the winner... Looking back at it in retrospect, if you go back and you watch Liv's entrance, she uh, we always talk about people having the boo-boo face whenever they're coming out to lose. Um, mm-hmm. You could almost tell that she was uh, overcome with emotion, knowing that she was going to win this, this particular match. Um, I think that it was a, it, it was a good match. Um, once the opening few minutes kind of you know got got going, um, and once they got through some of those opening uh, miscommunications and, and issues, it was a very it was a pretty solid match um, in terms of, you know, the the storylines coming out of this. Of course, you're got, you've got Becky uh, going more and more delusional, more insane, which I can't wait to see what happens next with her and her character development. But uh, outside of Liv winning this match, that's the biggest thing that I took away from this match was more character development for Becky Lynch. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see if Becky shows up on SmackDown to confront Liv, you know, because of the boo-boo face. A um, couple good things. I liked uh, Raquel when she was on the ladder and Liv slid down her back to powerbomb Lacey. Yes. Um, that, was, that was great. It also made me think, and – it happened a couple times last night. It happens in every single fucking multi-person ladder match. And that is, will someone go in business for themselves when they're up there and there's nobody on the fucking, you know, in the ring to take them out? Like, someone one day just has to... I hate, I hate to say it, Simon, but your girl, Sasha Banks, is the one who I think would do something like that feels she's owed the money in the bank no one's around eh fuck it i'll just take it right now and end the match because no one can i say one what no i I just want to say one thing one thing that i did notice is that match could have used a little bit of filling not that they had to be the spotlight naomi and sasha banks just gonna put that out there yeah uh i mean Less, less than anyone could have replaced Shotzi last night. Unfortunately, she, she, like you all said, she just sucked. So you could have taken her out. But I had another thought, and this was something that struck me. Um, you know, Simon, you said Alexa Bliss, but Asuka and Becky, three people mm-hmm. have won that match before who were in it. Mm-hmm. Why not institute the stipulation that? the only people who can wrestle in that match for the women's end would be women who have never won it. And maybe the men's end too. So then this way, whatever you get, it's a fresh, you know, it's a fresh person who's never had that money in the bank. The other thing, Steve, I, you know, I wonder, did they pump up extra sound for Liv's entrance knowing she was going to win it? to make it seem like she was over. 
Very possible. Mm. Yeah, because... I, have an answer, I have an answer for that later what? on. Let's oh, okay, answer on. now. It's up to you. <laughs> no, no, if you want to answer it later on. Everyone, yeah. listen, listen, keep listening, because then you'll hear what Simon has to say. Um, the uh, Becky, her ass dive onto Oscon. Oh. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> It was it was so close. You know, there were some spots like you know. I said Shotzi here. I have that too. She was lucky that she didn't just fucking crack her skull on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this will tie into live later as well. But you know, Steve, you mentioned she kind of looked like she was emotional walking down. Um, and then after she won, she starts crying. First of all, stop the fucking crying and wrestling. It's motherfucking wrestling. So the idea, right, is to beat the shit out of another person, not to, you know, be emotional because you're getting this opportunity to win a title or win a case. Fucking just stay in the realm of professional wrestling. But the other thing is Liv Morgan looks like Tammy fucking Faye Baker when she starts crying. Go look at that fucking end of that fucking match. She's in the ring and that she just... She looks exactly like it. If you haven't seen Eyes of Tammy Faye, go watch it and tell me that wow. is not Liv Morgan. <laughs> All right. U.S. title match was next. Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley. Theory comes in the champion and loses to Lashley. Uh, Steve, what do you think about uh, what happened in that match? Well, um, I, the thing is, we talked about how Liv got the loudest reaction of anyone in the opening match. I don't think that I've heard a crowd that solidly behind Bobby Lashley in quite some time. Now, whether or not they're using <laughs> crowd sweetening or whether that was organic, uh, I can't really say. It I was, was not in it the was building. DJ. It was it DJ. Was, that's just what I was going to say. It was all DJ. It was all, all impact. <laughs> that was all impact. Um, yeah, I, was, I wasn't in the building, so I can't say for sure uh, that everybody was going in absolutely insane for the guy. But – that was something that really stood out was, you know, in these first two matches, they really, you know, they, they either made the right call or they sweetened the crowd to ensure that it came off like they made the right call. Um, But, you know, I I think that there were some, some good sequences in this match, um, you know, especially near the end um, with, you know, the, the teasing of the cradle, the roll-ups, all that kind of stuff. Um, But ultimately the right decision was made in this, um, everybody's saying, and you know, it's, it's been talked about that it's going to be, you know, theory versus Cena at SummerSlam that match does not need a title that does not, that does not need a title on the line in order for it to be a draw. So I think that this was smart for WWE to do by putting the gold on someone else. That way you can have Lashley defend that title at SummerSlam against somebody. And it's a meaningful match now at this point. So yeah, I, I have nothing negative to say about this. Both guys played their roles extremely well in this match. Simon, what do you think? Um, I thought the match was solid. I mean, I mean, from start to finish, and even though Theory Theory lost, he had the most to gain in that match. He looked solid. And and I and I said the sentiment before on our last show, how um in a different scenario, if it had been riddle to make him, you know, a lot better appeasing moving forward if they wanted him to go against whoever, right? Uh, Reigns, whatever. I'm saying that because when you look at Bobby Lashley as a competitor and as a talent, you look at him as a good measuring stick. 
And with Theory going into that match, he looked solid. He didn't look intimidated. Now he's done it at countless other Raws, whatnot, right? But he really looked like, okay, this, this could be moving forward. What we are promised or expected, which I'm calling Theory, the last gift of Vince McMahon to us. Uh, uh, and it's the truth. This is the last gift of this man is going to get this. The last of his legacy. Uh, I'm calling it right now. (laughs) If you want the last gift from Vince McMahon, get in his company now and try to get a $3 million, uh, settlement pay raise or pay raise. Right. Yeah. Hey, Uh, Hey, Hey, my skill set don't go like that. (laughs) Well, you know what? Go ahead. Do you want to finish up on that? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I was just going to say, with regards to uh, to theory, I I honestly believe that what concluded toward the end of the night with regards to theory wouldn't have been as big of a pop of it ended up to be, or at least in my mind, substantially making sense if he didn't have that match the way it was was with Bobby Lashley. And I know we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about that. That's yeah. all I was going to say. So it, yeah, it no doubt, no doubt, a hundred percent. Um, I've, I, all I, I typed right away was theory is the now I thought he was fucking phenomenal in the match. He worked Bobby Lashley and, you know, my feelings again on Bobby Lashley is Nick Khan. If you're listening, remember Bobby Lashley, I did the math. His contract is bigger than uh, 90% of your roster. So please feel free to, uh, I don't know, budget cut him. That's fine. I'm just telling you. Uh, what's going to happen? The reason that he's the U.S. champion most likely is they, you know, Vince likes the big guys to be the marquees on the show as the champion usually, right? They don't have, uh, with the unification, the main title on Raw. So, therefore, you make the U.S. belt now seem a little more prominent and Lashley this so this is a way basically to make Lashley your heavyweight champion without it being a heavyweight championship. Exactly. That's exactly what this did. Did it fine. And um, again, both guys, uh, you know, worked perfectly. Steve, you're right. The crowd was hot. That was definitely not pumped in uh, because you could see the reactions on that. With the entrances, y- you can kind of like go, eh, they probably yeah. screwed it. But during the match, when the match is hot, the first two matches, the audience was definitely hot. And then we got the women's titles match with Carmella versus Bianca. Bianca retains the championship. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go through mine really quick. Um, I think you could actually see fans sleeping during that match. Uh, you know, when Carmella came out, uh, the first thing I said is, look, it's skankweed. Uh, oh, Jesus, that was just like something else. And uh, it was the EST. It was the slowest, sloppiest, boringest, shittiest match. Probably uh, on not only on the card, but probably this year on all their pay-per-views. That's my feelings. Uh, Simon, go ahead. <laughs> you already know how I feel about uh, Carmella. I feel that she needs to be a valet only for the rest of her career. Plain and simple. Well, I'm she's, sorry. She's Corey's valet for the rest of his life. So, well, 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 according to uh, uh, Corey, he got to figure out, you know, what is he going to do with all this bubbly he bought? Because, brother, <laughs> put keep keep that on ice. Because I'm going to tell you right now, brother, you ain't popping no bottles unless she got a baby in the oven. 
That's the only event you're going to have that's going to be a milestone. So you have. And no disrespect her. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just saying, like, you look at a lot of people that came in with her class. They have evolved. Do you see what I'm saying? She really hasn't evolved. And you want to say something about Liv? I was more happy about Liv because, girl, you realize Carmella's still taking your goddamn original uh, gimmick from NXT? She is. I'm just saying, man. I agree with you 100%, Matt Michaels. That was a horrible-ass match. Shout-out to fucking the champ, the EST, because she held that whole fucking match. You could have took out Carmella, put in anybody, and and, and it would have been more interesting than that. And I've said that before, and that's why I'm a little bit emotional about this, because it's like it's bullshit. Come on, WWE. I know the women's uh, uh, pool system on the roster is a little shallow, but that's the best you could have fucking done? Premium hit my ass. At least for that uh, match, that was a throwaway. You know what? She Carmella would fit in perfectly in AEW for their women's matches. Uh, Steve, what did she, she wouldn't even she wouldn't even fit in a dark match. Anyways, <laughs> oh, she she'd fit in a dark match. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, um, yeah, I I I, I agree with both of you guys, uh, and I know this is sounding kind of repetitive, but um, the fact is, the thing that was the best. The best part of this match was the fact that it was only six minutes. Yeah. Um, so at least they kept it short. I will say, and it's it's like as if I'm giving WWE credit for absolutely everything on this show. Um, but the fact is, this was the worst match on the card. But we have to keep in mind, this was not the original plan for this match. And right. I think that sure. one thing that really does have to be taken into consideration is you know, both companies over the last couple of weeks have dealt with a lot of injuries, a lot of illness, a lot of things that have caused them to call audibles uh, on the fly or very close to on the fly. Um, now, I think that this was the smartest move. Um, you, you'd mentioned, Simon, that, um, you know, there, there should be better things that WWE could have done. The fact is they realistically kind of backed themselves into a corner because they had everything set up for the women's money in the bank ladder match and really didn't have a plan B. They didn't have anything to fall back on. So, okay, let's, let's dig up Carmella. Let's prop her up for a couple of weeks, make her at least credible. Um, but I think WWE did a good job with the cards that they were dealt in this case. Um, but truly the star of this match was in fact the commentary team. Um, because Corey Graves, at least, you know, for the, for the six minutes that this match was going on, he at least made it bearable. Um, the entire commentary team did, uh, it was, it was really fun to listen to. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it on this match. Uh, could have easily been on an episode of raw or SmackDown without question. Yeah. And then, uh, you go from that, I believe, Unless I'm missing, no, I don't think I'm missing a match in between there. Right into uh, the uh, undisputed tag team championship match, Usos wow. Street Profits. Yeah, go ahead, Simon. Wow. Right on. Look, that could have stole the whole goddamn show. I've and and, and and I'm not one to drum out fight forever out of my mouth unless it's necessarily really feeling it. That could have kept going on. I think we are now seeing the emergence of a new Street Profits. Even though they did not capture the belts, I am telling you, you put them up there from the start of the bell, from, from bell to bell, up there with New Day with the Usos matches. 
Um, you know, having, you know, I'll say it, other people who are in AEW who are the best damn tag team. I would love now to see them with the Usos, see that match down the road. If that could ever happen, that's a whole nother conversation. But Street Profits, shout out. Well, I know I'm talking about a new newer one, but I'm saying I would like to see where Street Profits go from this. It would be very hard for WWE not to put the titles on them sooner than later. I'm just going to be honest with you. How do you still stick with this um, undisputed tag team belts together unless it's going to be Street Profits, Usos, one, two, three? I don't know how you stretch that. Phenomenal freaking match. Uh, They obviously talked about Montez Ford and his workout, which I noticed two months ago. I was like, boy, you look like if I went to the gym a couple of times when you first started because you was a skinny, slender, little-looking dude, and then now you look like a beast. And uh, boy, did they. Also, Dawkins was looking fabulous. I mean, they put in that work. It lo- it was amazing. Like, like, like I watched it back twice at like 2 in the morning. Real talk. Steve, go ahead. So, yeah, this, this match was an absolute banger, even as was mentioned on commentary. Uh, this didn't just uh, may have stolen the show. This did steal the show, Simon. This was the quite frankly, the best thing on this entire show. Um, And that's no slight on anyone else on the card. Um, And as was mentioned on commentary, Montez Ford absolutely yoked and he didn't really lose any of his, uh, any of his agility, any of his height on any of his moves, which was always his, his calling card, his gimmick. Um, is that, you know, he gets a shitload of air whenever he gets on that top rope or whenever he does anything aerial. Um, so that's a true testament to him that he was able to bulk up. I believe McAfee said that he put on 25 pounds of muscle. Obviously, I'm, that was probably, you know, an exaggeration, some hyperbole there, but, um, the fact is it's a noticeable difference. Like if you took somebody that saw the street profits a year ago, and, you know, you, you showed them a Street Profits match and then you showed them this match. Immediately, they would question if these guys were the same two guys, um, because you have Montez Ford, who put on a shitload of muscle mass and you have Angelo Dawkins, who trimmed the fuck down. And, you know, he got he got svelte. The guy has both of those guys have put in the work, uh, as was mentioned. Um, and, you know. The gimmick going into this match, I quite frankly was not really looking forward to this match because the entire storyline going in was, oh, well, they can't beat the Usos. So, of course, they give them a couple of singles wins leading up to the pay-per-view. And, you know, that showed that, hey, they can at least hang with them. And then this match happened, 23 minutes, very, very, very well done by all four guys. We haven't talked enough about the Usos in this match. We've been kind of spotlighting the profits, but the fact is the Usos make you feel a certain way, no matter what it is. They get a reaction from you, and that is absolutely key. And all four guys played their roles to the finest. Like I said, best match on the show, bar none. I think the Usos have proven they're the greatest tag team. Hands down. I, I I can't think of a tag team that's gone from coming out and doing the tribal dance, 
you know, I mean, when they fucking first came in, it was like, <laughs> oh, here we go again with the Samoan thing and the, you know, and they had the toughest time. And then when they started being themselves, they got the opportunity to have that gimmick. They're, they're the best tag team hands down. Um, probably within the last 20 years, maybe even comparable to some of the greatest tag teams of all time, if not the greatest of all time. So, wow. you know, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if I go that far, Michaels, but I I agree. They're they're very, very, very... Yeah, you, you, you would... Yeah, go ahead, Simon. I was going to say, I actually for once agree with you, Michaels, but to this extent, they have all of the makings, the pedigree, the moves, the upgraded attitude to be the greatest tag team of all time. But that's, you know, say we'll have to see what happens in the next five, yeah. 10 years. Yeah. And that's also arguable because, you know, <laughs> let's face it. it anything no can happen. Yeah. And no one's ever going to agree on, on who is the greatest of all time for any of this, you know, that we well, talked. I was about. only saying that because if one of the brothers start getting some Jeff Hardy problems, well, that, you know that 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 can mess it up, and I'm not trying to dig shit out of somebody's past. I'm just saying. No, no, no. Sometimes and, people can fuck themselves. And you you brought brought to the one point that I wrote down right away, and that was all the street profits needed to do to win was give the Usos some red cups, a rental car, and call Metro. So if they would have done that, they would have won all their champions. So, Damn. Uh, and well, then, shit. I I. Uh, you know what? I I kind of disagree with you guys. I know that the profits might get a push, might get the belts, etc. But quite honestly, the way you guys talked about it and what I had written down, Montez Ford is no longer a tag team guy. He is a fucking single star. Put him in the singles. He could fucking carry your company. Oh, oh, without a doubt. I mean, uh, let's let's be real. They've already been pushing him the last couple of Raws. When when Montez, I knew that was going to be to happen when I can't remember how many Raws was maybe two months ago when he first did over that uh, uh, ring post. When he first oh. did that, I already knew. But but you're talking a spot, and, and and that's great. But in tag team wrestling and single wrestling, when you have the spots, you can do that stuff. We know he can do it. The idea, though, that the body transformation in a guy like him took him from being a tag team wrestler oh, of to a singles wrestler. Like you guys were saying, he put on some muscle. He looks this way. He could still do this. He could still do that. And the best thing he's got going for them is he's one of the best talkers yes. in the game. Mm -hmm. He carries Dawkins in that sense. Dawkins is the hype man next to the guy who's the rapper, right? So what you see in him, unfortunately, I see Dawkins, if they ever split these two up, yep. Dawkins goes away. He gets buried. But Dawkins. Montez Ford is a fucking superstar. And because of Bianca, I'll tell you right now, you know, the power company that's going to be happening for the next you know 10 years in this decade, yep. you're going to see those two as the, the power couple. And it's going to be awesome to see that. Uh, we got then after all of that, a SmackDown Women's Championship match. Ronda Rousey retains against Natalia, only to have little mm. Tammy Faye come down and pass <laughs> in the money in the bank case right away. Mm. And by the way, as it was said, this uh, women's money in the bank uh, cash-in has always gone to, the, you know, they've always won. 
the cash-ins. So that's something that happened with the guys for a period of time, too, when they were starting to establish it. Um, so she does the thing to cash in and win. Uh, and if you had Liv becoming world champ before Ruby Soho in your pool, congratulations. Think about that. Uh, Simon, what'd you think? Uh, I would say as far as the match with uh, Ronda Rousey and Natalia, first shout out to Natalia. Uh, I know you've been enhanced, but them boobs look really, really huge, or that was just what you were wearing. You're, it, it looked a little uncomfortable, like you had some Dolly Partons up there. And I'm not trying to be an objectifier. I'm just saying I was not expecting that, and it just was like, wow. But besides that, when it comes down to Simon, the match, Simon, I, Simon, I hate to tell you, but – we haven't seen midget wrestling in a long time, and that's why because they're stuck in her fucking shirt. I I guess I don't know, and I'm sorry to have to say that that whole match I'm focused on that, but it was just very apparent, and I was but, like, wow, like like it just there really, were four people in that ring. <laughs> there, there was, I mean, it had to be something, and I just had to point it out. But as far as the match though, Ronda Rousey looked a lot better than she did the last couple of matches. At least I don't know. Seemed like she was having fun. Maybe it's because she knew she was dropping the title that night. I know we've talked about before that this run and go, she did not look as invested with WWE as she did it before in the past. Uh, you know, but she looked really good. So maybe because she knows she was clocking out. I don't know. But Liv Morgan cashing it in. I thought it was cool. Uh, shout out to Rhonda's reaction saying, oh, shit. That camera angle and that reaction really helped Liv Morgan out. In so many ways, as obviously the money in the bank, the way it rolls. Um, one thing I will say about Liv Morgan, I've been very critical of Liv Morgan in the past, and I still am a little bit, all right? The, for me, the jury's still out on her, all right? I feel like a lot of her getting her opportunity has everything to do with her opportunity she has in Hollywood. She's going to be in a movie that's coming out in 2023 called The Killing Floor. It has Nick Cannon. It has Maya Hawk, who, if you don't know, is Uma Thurman's daughter. She's also in Stranger Things. A um, couple of other notable people that's going to be on there, too. I mean, just, just, I mean, like, it could be a potential for even a small role like that to really launch her. She has a lot of opportunity on the plate, not only with the WWE, with her being a champion and being on SmackDown. It's a lot of pressure. Can she go the distance? It's going to be up to her. WWE has proven that the one thing I can't say, you can make a star. They have that, they have that blueprint. Are they gonna be able to do it with with, with Liv Morgan? Because uh, no, she's she's a spot holder for Charlotte. Okay. So there you go. True enough. True, 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 true enough. That's that's honestly, unfortunately, that's what I feel. Steve, your thoughts? Uh well, yeah, Michaels, you just literally uh took the thought right out of my brain. <laughs> just right there. Um, so the the Ronda and Natalia match. Uh, first things first with that. Very, very solid match. Um, you know, I, I think that it was McAfee on commentary, and we all know how McAfee loves his hyperbole. Um, but he made mention of the fact how these two women hate each other. When in all actuality, they are the best of friends best outside, of, you know, when when they're not uh, feuding or, you know, when the cameras and, turn and off. Simon, will. Simon. That answers your question. That's the reason she looked better and she had a better time is because Natalia was the one who actually was training her when she first Makes came sense. in. So they're, they're good friends and it, it did show. Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, so yeah, that that's, that's exactly what I was going to mention too, is that 
Um, I'm sure that Rhonda felt very at ease, very, uh, you know, very comfortable in, in the pocket, if you will. And I think that it does really go to show that, you know, although Natalia doesn't really have the title reigns, um, to, to reinforce her legacy. I think that this match really kind of showcases what she can do in the ring as a dance partner for people, because quite frankly, and this is no slight on Rhonda by any means, but Natalia made Rhonda look like a million bucks in this match. Oh, and yeah. the, the fact is, you know, she played, she, she kind of geared the match to Rhonda's strengths and Rhonda played her role perfectly well in this match. And it was a perfect storm for everything to do with, you know, this match going down the way that it did the working on the knee. Um, and then obviously the segue right into live cash in, um, in the back of my mind, I was just, I, I was afraid that they were going to fuck it up. I really was. I thought, okay, well, and especially when live through that first kick and Rhonda caught it, I was like, all right, well, this is game over. You know, it, it, it was good that she got the, the case and cashed it in and she's going to go down in history as the first woman to not successfully cash in. Um, but then, you know, it, 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 it ended up going the exact opposite way, uh, live with the roll up victory. Um, unfortunately, yeah, Michael's, you said it. She is a placeholder for Charlotte at this point. Um, I I really hate the fact that that that's going to be what happens. But anybody with an analytical mind and with the business sense of everything and knowing WWE's track record, that's what's going to happen. And you know, she's. I think that what they're doing is they're going to give her maybe a month long run with this have her lose the title at SummerSlam to Charlotte, but this is going to set live up for the future, uh, depending on how well she runs with this ball that's been given to her. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have any complaints with any of the three women in this match. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll see what happens in terms of Charlotte's time frame coming back. Um, you could probably, you could even stretch it out a little bit if it needs to be, you know, um, September, October, even at uh, Survivor Series, right. um, and and just you just establish live in terms of selling merchandise to little girls. Thank That's you. what we're looking at, and she can do that because little girls are about the same size as her. Um, just, just as Natalia's midget. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> men's Money in the Bank match: Sami Zayn versus Madcap versus Almost versus Riddle versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. And my man, Austin Theory. Thank God. Steve, opinions on the match. Finally, we will not agree on something, Michaels. Now, I don't get it twisted. I, I think I think Theory, I think Austin Theory has been and he he's definitely stepped up, hit the ball out of the ballpark without question. The problem that I have is that they've done this before to us with Brock Lesnar, where he was a surprise entrant to the match the day of the show. And they do the same thing here with theory. And I, I think that you could have told the story with, I'd say just looking over the field in this match, 
Okay, McIntyre, Rollins, Moss, Sheamus, <clears throat> hell, even Zane. Yeah, um, or, or you know, you could you could have given it to Riddle, um, but you know, I'd say out of the the eight people in this match, you know, six of which could have had uh, five, maybe yeah, five um, could have been um, very very. Uh, good stories if you will they they could have they could have told a good story with i'd say maybe five of these guys with the briefcase um but now you give it to theory which obviously you're playing up the whole mr mcmahon thing and don't get me wrong vince mcmahon without him we're not doing this podcast without vince mcmahon wwe isn't what it is today okay you can you can clip that you can put that into a soundbite it's a hundred percent fact but there comes a time when they need to step away from having vince mcmahon on tv um especially in light of what's going on um and i i i don't i don't think that this was literally just walking on and going enjoy the show and then walking off i know and I, i and i get that but i don't know i I understand that you know they had they had to do something to uh, because this this show was very babyface friendly. Okay, sure. um, you told a great story with Liv throughout the show, and it almost you know again looking back in retrospect, it almost set it up for um, you know there to be a an ending to the show which was going to piss the crowd off um, because they did so many goodwill gestures in the show. But yeah, I just. So fuck so, it, man. Uh, give it to Sami Zayn. I would have been, I would have been so much happier if they would have given it to Sami Zayn and let him run around with it, or you could have given it to Riddle and have him talk about his secret stash. I mean, you, you got I think, I think you hit it on the nail too. You got to remember, Riddle is basically that top level baby face right now. <clears throat> so you, you timed it out where. Riddle was the one who was about to grab the case. Bingo. That's that's perfectly WWE booking in terms of having the heel go over on the guy the fans want to see win the match. So um, I, I see what you're saying with that. Uh, I'll get into my opinion in a second. Simon, what did you think, man? Well, I got to say, as far as money in the bank uh, matches, this one was really good. <clears throat> It, it was really, really good. It was probably one of the more solid ones that I've, I've seen in the last three, four years, maybe. Like, like just solid from start to finish. A yeah. um, couple of the spots that I knew was going to happen and was happy when it happened was uh, uh, Riddle Rollins on the top uh, that 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 uh, <laughs> RKO. Yeah, that yeah. shit was a thing of beauty, even to the point to where it looked like uh, Riddle was almost off kilter a little bit, and you could see Seth midair kind of adjust him a little bit, push the one end down. I thought this shit was a thing of beauty. I was happy for it. I popped in my damn living room. Um, but besides that, um, I'm gonna say it again. Theory will be looked at as Vince McMahon's last gift to WWE. I am prefacing that. You could put that in the sound bite. That is what's going to be. I do disagree with you, uh, Sin City. I think that Theory was the number one guy that you had to have that because of what's happening with Vince McMahon, because it's easier to not have Vince McMahon on TV, possibly, 
but to still have his name pop up every single day and you have it with someone who is potentially your 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 biggest heel in the most annoying sense that you have in the whole goddamn roster both smackdown and raw uh theory is a sheer delight he is basically the 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 shit in your pants when you're trying to meet the girl and score for the first day he is the guy that when you're sitting on the bus they fart or better yet when you're in the elevator and elevator stuck and he farts he, he, he is just a piece of fucking shit, and I fucking love it. I love it. He represents the, the culture today with everything's a fucking selfie. Like, it, I just was fucking, I loved it from start to finish, and I think that it's perfect. Because if Vince McMahon, and I'm not going to put this out because I don't, I'm not a fucking lawyer. Damn sure I ain't a paralegal, because if I was, I'd be working for WWE, and I'd be paid, apparently. But I will say this. It ain't going to be fun what's going to happen with Vince McMahon in the next six months to a year. And when he did step down, I'm calling it right now. It's permanent. But the great thing about this business is that Vince McMahon will his name will be echoed all the time with theory. Holding that briefcase, causing problems. I'm telling you, man, we are seeing the next level of theory. I would say next to Liv Morgan, the, the show was about him. The, the, uh, yeah, there's no doubt. But those were the two main people that followed through. Um, so, uh, a couple things really quick. Uh, almost looks great in a match like this, meaning visually to have that kind of huge motherfucker was great. And putting him through a table with six dudes fucking throwing him. That was, <laughs> that was a great ridiculous. visualist. <laughs> um, and Drew McIntyre. Bench pressing the fucking ladder with Sheamus on it. <laughs> so they they had some good spots, some good visuals. Like you said, the RKO was phenomenal. It also set up, like like you said, it looks you know so devastating. It looks like Riddle has to win, and then Austin comes out of nowhere and wins it. What was the key to me is this. Um, so. The storylines that you're referring to, Steve, and what could be done, um, I'm going to make it a very, very simple idea here, and that is this. SummerSlam happens, Cena versus Theory. Cena puts Theory over, okay? Whether or not it's clean or how it's done, don't know, but... Um, a perfect time to have Vince McMahon wobble down to the ring and uh, hook Cena's leg. And, you know, basically Vince costs John the match. And then you could have Cena versus McMahon at WrestleMania. <laughs> um, what, what did you say? Is that Ric Flair's last match? What'd you say that was? I'm, no, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, if, if that fucking match happens at WrestleMania, this program called it. It's being listened to because no one else is stupid enough to even say that out loud. Send the check to Matt Michaels. <laughs> but but that sets up an interesting scenario. And this is the, the thing that I think is very interesting. And that is you have Lesnar and you have Reigns, two monsters. The problem is, is that both of them are kind of well, Roman is now a part-timer, let's say, and Brock is a quarter-timer. So here's the idea I think they're going to run with. 
Brock and Brock and Roman are going in a, a fucking last man standing match. They're going to beat the living hell out of each other mm-hmm. to the point where whoever gets the pin is going to be so fucking beat up that that at SummerSlam means that Theory is cashing in. Now, smart move would be Roman wins the match. Theory cashes in on Roman. Roman goes away, makes a movie or two or three or four. Uh, and then when Roman comes back, now you've set him up to be a face potentially. Because he never, typically he didn't wrestle a match against Austin Theory. Mm. So that's it's a possibility of what they might do in terms of that. But I'm saying right now, I think that you have those two beat the shit out of each other. Austin capitalizes, wins. And again, those are the kinds of things you have to do. That also makes sense going upon why put him into this. Well, now you got a story. He got handed the money in the bank. He got handed the U.S. title. He got handed the world championship. And yet every time he's had to prove himself, he got, you know, the hurt lock on him and he couldn't get out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it goes, it goes along the lines of the perfect chicken shit heel who actually has what you would consider the tools to be the champion. It's just that he's a cocky young prick and it fucking works. And the reason it works is because of what you said, Simon, it's reflective of the whole attitude of that generation of people who are in their early to mid twenties. Fucking brilliant. When Cena fucking hit, he hit because he was the doctor of thugonomics. Mm-hmm. This is the same type of thing. This is going to be the character that gives him that heel persona for about a year and a half, two years. And then when he goes face, he's going to be the biggest face in the fucking company, probably in wrestling, probably will be a face for fucking 15 years, make movies and have that successful career. So it, it, in sense, even though it did not go in a canon type story, where you could have had a Sami Zayn, you know, and will he or won't he cash it against Roman, that type of thing, or the fan favorite of Riddle. Um, and I thought maybe, just maybe, Drew McIntyre would have gotten it and then cashed yeah. it in in fucking Scotland when they go to wrestle in the castle. So um, those are our thoughts. The final thing, guys, final note, after the show went off the air, yeah, Gorgon. Mm-hmm. Oh man, just fucking Rex McAfee from behind throws him over the barricade or comes over the barricade then uh and uh you know and gives him uh the finisher and accepts the match for SummerSlam and then McAfee has a fucking neck brace on at UFC with mm-hmm. Vince and Steph and Hunter and boy did, did how much how much you know does it prove that it's Pat McAfee who is sitting next to those three. 100% makes sense. Yep. It says so much. Yep. And when you're talking about, look at the building blocks we just talked about. Yep. We talked about Pat McAfee. We talked about Riddle. We talked about Theory. 
holy shit, you're starting to see. Then if you go down and you see Braun Strowman, or not Braun Strowman, Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker. They should have <laughs> never called him Braun, stupid fucking no. move. I had said the same thing from the start, but go ahead. Yeah, but <laughs> with him and with uh, Solo and then, you know, some of the other guys that you're seeing develop down there, holy shit. You're starting to go, you know what? Maybe this fucking theory of, you know, it's not about NXT being the a separate strong brand that people love, blah, blah, blah. It literally is the building blocks Blueprint. to make that, that next phase of what the company is going to look like. Yeah. And you still have guys who are like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn who are impeccable guys that you want to have around for these young guys. And I think all of it kind of also filtered in on Monday night when you saw John Cena, the reactions to Cena from the guys backstage was that guy was the greatest locker room leader. And I think mm -hmm. right now you're about to find who that next person is and where the company can go off of that person setting the example and making it, you know, a place where guys are just fucking hungry to go out there. I know it was a storyline, but you can't tell me that the Street Profits didn't go, holy shit, now we actually have to fucking deliver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it steps up the game, and I think that this is what we're, we're going – it's it was money in the bank. It was supposed to be at Allegiant. It was supposed to be this huge fucking event. I think the best thing that happened to them was moving it into the smaller venue. I agree because the crowd was hotter, yep. and I think all of us agree the the matches were very good matches, except for fucking Carmella, and that was no fault of anyone else's because of of the injury to to Rhea. So. Right. If, if you would have upgraded that match, just that one notch, it would have mm -hmm. been one of the best solid cards. And I know people like to say, oh, but that's kind of like a, a glorified house show. Or oh, I could have saw that on Raw or SmackDown or yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. The honest answer is what DJ has said, no Roman reigns. And not a single one of us went boy, this show needed something else. I agree. So <laughs> I, I think the thing that really stands out is, you know, and, and I'm always quick to say that WWE doesn't build new stars. I think that's the, the, the biggest complaint that a lot of people have. But uh, quite frankly, Money in the Bank was a birthplace for a new crop of stars. I mean, literally, you look at who they chose to put over, and it was very, very well done. Um, yeah. I'm very outspoken uh, with my critiques of WWE. However, again, when they do things right, I have to make comment. And they did really build for the future with this show specifically. Um, if we see more shows like this and, you know, they, they push younger talent and more engaging talent um, to the caliber of what we saw tonight... I'm on board and, you know, I, quite frankly, I haven't, I haven't followed the product extensively uh, just because I had gotten fed up with WWE. 
um, and a lot of the shit that they'd put on TV. But uh, they could very well win me back as a viewer as a result of things like they did at Money in the Bank. And you make a very good point, and that is what I think we're actually going to potentially start seeing, and that is WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble. Those are pretty much the big shows. I don't think Survivor Series, they put enough emphasis on it. Um, So let's take Survivor Series out of the big shows. So those three shows, you're going to have your surprises. You're going to have your fucking... Your, you know, your Cena showing up, your Rock showing up, all the big names, Brock, Roman. That is what those are for now. The premium pay-per-view events are, I think, if they do it the right way, that stepping stone. So sprinkle in, you know, a younger talent versus a Kevin Owens, a younger talent versus, uh, you know, some of the guys like Finn Balor, guys who have worked, who have been the top of their game, Shinsuke. I think that we're going to see, hopefully, that road be the stepping stone and growing, you know, uh, the, the the jumping off point for a lot of these guys who you can't deny anymore. That's the other thing. And when we talk about roster thinning, and budget cuts or whatever you want to say about letting people go. It all goes back to, they signed so many people and now are in the refocusing of the company's finances. They're doing great on that end. And we're starting to see that they're doing great with the in ring development of these guys who are going to be the fucking action figures you see when you walk down the aisles for the next 10 years. Um, and that also feeds into a very you know interesting point, And that is what is the next wrestling company then? Because AEW is not going to be able to have all these guys who are eventually going to end up, you know, contracts ending and they're not going to get re-signed or there's going to be more budget cuts. So if there's no space for those guys, this gives an opportunity for a guy like Freddie Prinz who has those connections uh, to start a very successful and maybe even to an extent a Vince McMahon 10% payroll type of thing, you know, something like Vince did for ECW. And the only reason being is because Freddie worked with Vince. He knows him and he knows his product, uh, you know, his brand in his name. So there's a good chance we're going to see that next company come in within the next year or two because they have to have something. Yeah. Or else, you know, it's going to be independent promoters. They're not going to be able to afford to keep paying people the prices that they're going to, you know, want to, to be on the independent scene. Simon, any final words, man? Well, first and foremost, I will definitely say that uh, AEW delivered. You know, uh, I'm not going to repeat over a lot of things we said about the only match that sucked, but it only had a, to do with the one individual. So, we are trying, but what about WWE? Huh? Yeah. Say it again. What did I say? Say it again, Steve. 
Uh, I just said AEW delivers nearly every time. What about WWE, though? WWE. You, in, you, did, in, you did say. Oh, AEW. I said AEW. My yeah. apologies. I was thinking about <laughs> AEW. So, and it, and, 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 and it goes into reference what I'm going to say next. I think a lot of times people, you know, constantly talk about, you know, at least for the last two years, three years, maybe. AEW versus WWE. We're, I'm not even going to go down there because that's a whole fucking other show. But I will say that WWE, I've always been confident that WWE will figure it out because they have the bankroll to figure it out. They have the resources to figure it out and they have to figure it out because of the way their company structure is. I've also said in the past that they were going in a transition with linked what I said a long time ago when we first started this podcast. You're going to see wrestling as a whole be transformed. And this is the first step with WWE creating stars because they know what they're good to. They're leaning to their strengths. They know that we've the people that made Dave Batista's. We're the ones that made the rock or at least started it. You know what I mean? The John Cena's majority of people that you're going to see in movies on a regular basis came from the WWE camp, right? They also know that they got the resources to make new stars. Now the shit that we gave is the same shit I gave for the longest. They don't push their new stars, but they ran into a problem. And I think they finally realized it needs to be noted. You were always dependent on a Brock Lesnar coming through just to make sure your show sold well. You were running into a Roman Reigns type of situation, a John Cena type of situation, right? Bringing back old guys that may or may not work out well. I'm glad you said it, Michael. Out of everybody, you said it. The blueprint has always been NXT. And that goes for any company. The one thing I will say for AEW, it looks like they want to start setting up something similar to that, something to where they can breed the next talent and then fiddle them in at the crop, per se. But it makes me happy because there was a point, literally, I remember it was like 13 years ago, I was going to stop watching wrestling. I'm going to be real with you. There was no AEW. WWE kept failing me time and time again. I just got tired of it, right? Then NXT, I started watching NXT, and I liked what they did. And now I am seeing WWE adopting it in their own way, how to do it, and the shit works. I'm not even going to go it. You know if you listen to the show. You too know it. Who was the number one instrument in making that blueprint a success in piloting and testing it? I'll leave it there. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes. So... um you know, he, he was one of the biggest instruments of that. You're right. Well, he was. He was the one who he, who, who, he was the created. heart and soul of it. You yeah. Know, and then and then Hunter took it from there. So you know, you you look at that lineage, and you also look at the fact that you know uh, the stepping stones are important, especially when you don't know if AEW is really focused on bringing in uh the the world into their atmosphere right you know not looking just at x y and z they're looking at more so hey here's mexico here's japan um here's this company and that company in the united states we can draw from and using released bigger names from wwe Buying Ring of Honor, using Ring of Honor, probably what is starting to look like a it's going to form into well, it's going to form into kind of an NXT type show. 
yeah. you know, where you're going to get guys like Toa, uh, you know, who can develop on that level uh, as long as they actually get a, some kind of television. That's that's the big thing. Um, but the 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 end idea is that right now there are so many people signed by them that you need something developmental wise. You need a system in place. If not, what's going to happen is guys are going to end up leaving. And when they leave, if they have that little something and they go to WWE, that little something is going to come out. And then everyone's going to be saying, yeah, it's going to be the same thing. Hey, remember Steve Austin was in WCW before he was in WWE. Mick Foley, same mm-hmm. thing. You're going to start getting that stuff going on. Jericho. Like, why wasn't Jericho you know, pushed higher? Uh, well, because they were holding them down. And you don't want that repeating itself. You want something where you have building blocks. Because then that means both companies and potentially another company or two are going to be that successful. It's a shame Impact can't reach that status. Um, and it's, you know, we've said it many a times. It's not it's access. Yeah, it's not necessarily it's hard. It is. So, uh, but, you know, the future is is good. And we talked a lot about uh, this pay-per-view. So uh, there you go. Uh, your 4th of July, everyone, we hope you have or had a good one, depending on when you listen to this. And um, we'll, we'll be back to normal form uh, next week. And uh, you'll be able to catch us on our live stream on Sunday night, 8 p.m. Uh, that is uh, Pacific time. So if you're in the West Coast, follow us. Drop some uh, comments down while we do the live stream. If you're on the East Coast, feel free to do the same. But if it's just a little too late, you know, listen to us the next day uh, on uh, your podcast apps or look us up on uh, YouTube and social media to find the, uh, the video of the show. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, as DJ would say, happy wrestling. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.